Nancy Cavey, National ERISA and Individual Disability Attorney. Welcome to Winning Isn't Easy. Before we get started, I've got to give you a legal disclaimer. The Florida Bar says I've got to say what I'm about to say. This podcast isn't legal advice. The Florida Bar, as I said, says I've got to say it, so I've said it. But nothing will prevent me from giving you easy-to-understand information about your disability insurance claim, the games that disability carriers play, and what you need to know to get the disability benefits you deserve. So off we go. Today, I'm going to be talking about various ERISA regulations, and I'm going to talk about two specific topics. One, does ERISA regulations require that a disability insurance carrier consider your independent medical evaluation in deciding your appeal? And two, have the new, in quotes, ERISA regulations transformed the way that disability insurance carriers handle ERISA disability insurance claims? Let's take a break before we get started. Have you been robbed of your peace of mind from your disability insurance carrier? You owe it to yourself to get a copy of Robbed of Your Peace of Mind, which provides you with everything you need to know about the long-term disability claim process. Request your free copy of the book at kvlaw.com today. Welcome back to Witting Isn't Easy. Our first topic is going to be, do ERISA regulations require that a disability insurance carrier consider your independent medical evaluation in deciding your appeal? Now, disability carriers have many claims denial tools in their toolbox, and they're going to use ERISA regulations that are designed to protect you to their advantage. ERISA regulations require that a disability insurance carrier plan give a denied policyholder an appeal that's based on a full, fair review. So what what do those words mean? Well, the regulations in effect at the time of a claim are going to govern a disability carrier's duties. ERISA regulations require that a disability carrier consult with a health insurance, uh, a healthcare professional who uh, has appropriate training experience uh, in the field of medicine when deciding an appeal of any adverse benefit determination based in whole or in part on a medical judgment. And that's found in 29 CFR 2560.503-1 and a lot of subsections. Um, and uh, what's important here is that many times a disability carrier will deny or terminate a disability insurance claim based on a paper review of your medical records. I call it a liar for hire review. Uh, or they're going to uh, ask that you undergo a not so independent medical evaluation. Uh, And again, that's not necessarily going to be a fair one. Now, under the ERISA regulations, you have to file an appeal of a denied or terminated claim within 180 days. That appeal is the trial of your case because once the appeal process is concluded, it can be difficult, if not impossible, to add any new evidence to the record. And the record is your claims file. Now, as part of any appeal, you might want to undergo your own independent medical examination to rebut what the disability carrier's doctors had to say. And you'll submit that report uh, in rebuttal, as I said, of the paper review or an IME as part of your appeal of that wrongful denial or termination. Under the ERISA regulations, the disability carrier is supposed to 
consider your IME report. But how does that really play out? I'm going to explain what happened in the case of Wallace versus Group Long-Term Disability Plan. Uh, And it's a case that came out of the Second Circuit. Hartford was the plan administrator, and uh, she argued that she didn't get a a full and fair uh, uh, review because their medical reviewer in the uh, appeal process didn't address her own independent medical examination report. Well, the court rejected that argument. And I think that they were entitled to reject the argument because the carrier's reviewer listed her IME report among the material that they had reviewed when reaching their conclusion uh, that Ms. Wallace wasn't disabled from the duties of her job. So the Second Circuit noted that the regulations didn't state that a reviewing physician was required to address each document in detail before arriving at a determination, but suggested that they certainly had to acknowledge it. And the court ultimately found that Hartford had not abused its discretion and upheld the denial. So so long as your IME or your rebuttal material, uh, be it your own IME report, a functional capacity evaluation, a report from your physician, uh, so long as that's listed in the disability carriers or plans uh, medical peer reviewer report or IME report, it's going to be okay. And that reviewer, that liar for hire medical reviewer from the carrier of the plan, isn't required to do a little synopsis or analysis of your particular supporting medical material. They just have to acknowledge that it was something that they um, reviewed. Uh, and so long as they do that, um, they have satisfied, at least in the, the Second Circuit, the the ERISA regulations. Now, I think it would be helpful if the disability carriers paper reviewer discussed each report so that you actually, uh, if they're going to reject it, you know why and you can address that. Uh, or if if they um, have ignored it, you know that that even though it may be listed, they didn't actually review it. In other words, just because you have listed it, I don't think I don't think that's sufficient because I think that they should be addressing any particular or pertinent parts of your reports that they have rejected uh, or have, you know, basically, you know, dissed, if you will. Um, because you never know if they really have reviewed it. Just because they listed it <clears throat> doesn't mean that they reviewed it. And more importantly, one of the things that you need to understand is that more often than not, when there is a peer review or uh, a second level peer review, the disability carrier plans nurse is actually sending that paper reviewer a summary of your medical records by doctor, normally by date. Uh, and that summary is based on their own subjective biased review of your medical records. In other words, it's not uncommon for the disability carrier's nurse to cherry pick your records in the summary that they give to their peer review provider to comment. So in my experience, just because the peer reviewer or their IME listed it as something that they may have seen, the reality is they, one, probably didn't see it. Two, they only saw a summary of it. And three, they have seen a cherry-picked summary of those particular uh, medical records. So in, in my view, just the fact that it's listed 
uh, is not really providing a full and fair review. And perhaps the court just didn't understand the realities of what happens in the peer review process. So uh, again, a lesson learned. Ready? Let's take another break before we come back to ERISA regulations part two. Are you a professional with questions about your individual disability policy? You need the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. This book gives you a comprehensive understanding of your disability policy with tips and to-dos regarding your disability application that will assist you in submitting a winning disability application. This is one you won't want to miss. For the next 24 hours, we are giving away free copies of the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. Order yours today at disabilityclaimsforprofessionals.com. Welcome back to Winning Isn't Easy. So let's talk about whether the, in quote, new ERISA regulations have transformed the way that a disability carrier plan will handle a disability insurance claim. Now, the new ERISA regulations that govern long-term disability insurance claims went into effect April 1st, 2018. And here we are in 2023, still calling them new ERISA regulations. So while these new ERISA regulations provided much needed protection to disability carrier policyholders or plan beneficiary uh, after years, five years of enactment, I find that there is still disability carrier conduct that is causing delay and denials. So let's first talk about the impartiality of the claims process. The regulations prohibit anyone allegedly involved in the claims process, such as a claims adjuster, a peer review doctor, or a vocational evaluator from being incentivized to deny the claim. Now, back in the day, disability carriers like Unum would reward their claims examiners with pizza parties and other goodies, if you will, for denying claims. If they met a certain threshold of claim denials, they got a bonus or they got a little party. The disability benefit determination is supposed to be independent and impartial. So in other words, this is kind of supposed to be walled off. But in my law office, I continue to see lots of disturbing trends in violation of these ERISA regulations. And one of them is where the liar for hire peer review provider who was the basis of you, if you will, of the first denial, who criticized and cherry picked and even rejected the treating provider's opinions is on appeal, re-reviewing the medical evidence submitted when the denied policyholder or plan beneficiary appeals the wrongful denial. So you're sending this case back to the fox, if you will, for a, you know, a second chance at eating the chickens. Um, so, you know, the question becomes, does the carrier really expect that the peer re- provider who gave the carrier the ammunition with which to justify its first denial is going to change their mind about the medical evidence on appeal? Now, the, the peer review provider is generally an internal physician or a physician on contract with, with the carrier or the plant or is employed by a third party Uh, company that supplies medical reviewers. Everybody in this whole process knows where their bread is buttered. Um, The fox is not only watching the the 
hen house, the fox is having breakfast, lunch, and dinner on the chickens. So I don't think that that having uh, a the same peer review provider review the medical records on appeal is consistent with the regulations. Now, the regulations also talk about consideration of a favorable social security decision. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court and ERISA regulations require that a disability insurance carrier plan consider a favorable social security decision. And the carrier is supposed to explain why it disagrees with that favorable social security decision in upholding its claims denial or, or denying the claim. What the reality is, is that many disability insurance carriers or plans don't even ask for a copy of the social security file to review the basis of the social security decision. They, if they ask for it, they don't even wait to get it before they make a decision. And then of course, if they get it, they'll look at it and say, well, you didn't have all of the evidence that we now have. Um, we had surveillance, we had our medical uh, reviewers review this. Um, we um, had um, social media posts. We had all sorts of stuff that the Social Security judge didn't have. Or that decision was so long ago, it's stale, it doesn't count, and they will reject uh, the claim. But they will not necessarily have reviewed the claim. The other thing they'll do is they'll say, you know, we have reviewed this. Uh, and according to the case law, we're, we're going to discuss what we see here. Um, and we have the right, of course, to accept it or reject it. And one of the reasons we're going to reject it is, you know, we have more information. Um, our doctors disagree. But, you know, that Social Security Disability Award was based on the grids. And at step five, people cannot be awarded benefits in part under the grids based on their age. If you don't grid out, then age is also a factor as you evaluate the ability to do other work in the mythical, not real world national economy in view of the policyholders or plan beneficiaries, age, education, transferable skills and restrictions. So they're gonna say, it's a completely different standard of review. We don't take into consideration age, Social Security does, and so what? Too bad, so sad. We've we've considered it, but we're rejecting it. Now, there's also a mixed bag um, in that the new ERISA regulations will help ERISA disability policy holders in some respects, but practically it's a mixed bag because carriers are still playing games with the claims. So, as I said. They will have the liar for hire peer review doctor do the second review. Um, they will send cherry picked records to that liar for hire review reviewer to render uh, their opinion. Uh, they may not send all of your material to their liar for hire people. Um, they still, in my experience, are incentivizing um, adjusters and other players in the disability world for denials. Uh, and of course, um, they'll play the social security disability decision game. These are just three of the things I see the carriers still doing, notwithstanding these new ERISA regulations. There is, however, some hope here in that I am also seeing um, some of the courts take a look at the disability carriers 
failure to follow ERISA regulations, uh, and in some egregious cases, will actually say that the failure to follow those ERISA regulations changed the standard of review from arbitrary and capricious, which is the kiss of death, to de novo. So again, this is factual a factual analysis based on each one of these cases and how bad the courts may feel that the disability carrier plan's violations of the ERISA regulation is. Got it? Let's hope that the courts really start enforcing these regulations and put some teeth in them so that they really mean what they mean uh, and the carriers are held you know, their feet to the fire to meet the requirements of the um, ERISA regulations. And again, uh, one of the, the hopes that are, is becoming a, a, a reality, as I said, is egregious uh, violations are being found sufficient to change the standard of review. So if, for example, the disability carrier is not rendering a decision uh, within the first 45 days and doesn't timely or give legitimate reasons for the request for an extension, the courts are saying, well, that 45 days was a hard stop. You violated the regulations. The standard of review changes. So there's hope. Let's just hope that the courts um, uh, become more educated, if you will, about the games that disability carriers and plans are using to violate these ERISA regulations, which were in fact designed to help protect disabled uh, disability carrier or disability policyholders and uh, claims beneficiaries. Got it? I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of uh, Winning Isn't Easy. And I would love it if you would um, like our page, leave a review, share it with your friends, and subscribe to this podcast. That way you're going to get notification when a new episode comes out. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.